You might be surprised to know that number one senior pro, Matthias Johansson, is wrapped up like a mummy when he plays due to his many injuries. So you might wonder how he made it to the number one rating in singles. In this episode, we cover just that as he talks about the mind-body connection, and you'll also be surprised at how many miles he logs during a tournament. Let's get to the intro. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Matthias Johansson. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. You have been uh, quite a high-level player for, well, not too long, but long enough. So I do always like to start off the podcast with a little bit about your background in terms of how you first heard about pickleball and when you got started playing the game. Yes. So I have a tennis background and that's kind of where I'm coming from. And during COVID years there, I was actually pursuing trying to reach number one in world in tennis for my age group, but all the tournaments get canceled and a friend asked me about pickleball and I kind of denied it and said, no, I have no interest in playing. And a couple of weeks later, the same guy asked. So I said, yeah, let's try it out that one time and nothing else to do going on. So instead of being locked down at home, might as well play. And I played, come home to my wife and said, we're going to play this new, amazing, fun sport. And she was not too excited about it first time. But after that, he joined me and we had a lot of fun with it as a husband and wife. And that's how everything started. Now, I'm curious. It sounds like you were going for the number one spot in your age group in tennis. Did you ever reach that or did you go back after COVID and, and play tennis? I never went back afterwards uh, with it because uh, pickleball was so much more fun. But how it works in uh, tennis was I got a new year job seven years ago at the UC Riverside Men's Tennis. So I thought would be a good idea to play a little bit so they knew what that actually the coach know a little bit about tennis so I started playing and playing with the guys on the team and I kind of started with the lower guys and moved all my way up uh, through the lineup and when I reached the top of the lineup there the guys said you should play this ITF tournaments and be ranked in the world for tennis so I said okay well let's maybe try that something to be something to be something to do and look forward to so i started and uh, end up winning a national championship on the hard court in, in my age group i won a couple of other uh, grade a tournaments in itf but i was missing uh, the fourth one in order to be number one in the world there uh, the world championship and that's when the covid hit so i reached around i think 14 15 16 around that area but i needed one more tournament and never got a chance to do it so in terms of you changing over from tennis to pickleball, did your players there at UC Riverside kind of think you became a sellout since you're not playing tennis now? Uh, no, not really. I mean, because it was a little bit with uh, people not being canceled this season, people not being around. So I, I kind of had a year in between where I didn't have too much contact with all my players there. And that's during the time that I played pickleball and uh, all of a sudden everybody come back kind of this year and at that time that's really when I started uh, you know playing professionally so and they are just supporting of it I think it's a lot of fun actually obviously the better it goes and, and the more it is on YouTube they obviously start following more and 
getting more known as a pickleball player than a tennis player or tennis coach now. So that's pretty funny, actually, how it can change so quickly. Oh, that is interesting. Now, do any of your players play pickleball? They all wanted to actually start, but, you know, as a coach for tennis, I still want them to focus on tennis until they graduate. So I have a couple of guys that will graduate this year that definitely said they're going to try pickleball and see how far they can go in it as well. So I will be pretty excited to see how they do and if they actually uh, will put in the work that it takes to be good at pickleball too. So we'll see what happens there. All right. So you didn't quite reach your goal of being number one in your age group in tennis. Are you now number one in singles in pickleball for the senior pros? Yes. So that happens last week, actually. I think after the US Open there uh, two weeks ago, that's when the new ranking come out and uh, I passed my dear friend Paul Allen there. So yes, I'm number one in the world now. So that's a good feeling. Congratulations. And I wanted to ask you about Paul because I was listening to another podcast interview that you had done and you were saying that you and Paul kind of have opposite styles in singles. Tell me a little bit about yours and, and his and how they counteract each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably more of the slagger, banger style. Not that much finesse, to be honest. It's something that you have to work on to get the feeling for the ball. But I mean, I brought tennis into pickleball and then make uh, adjustment after that. Paul is so fluid with everything he does. He's great from a technical standpoint. Find the a- angles on the court. Soft, moving, great, fast. I mean, he has all this stuff that probably I don't have, complete opposite, right? So it, it creates a pretty good matchup when we do play each other because of this style. Obviously, I'm working towards what he has, but it's a longer process to get that feeling for a pickleball compared to a tennis ball as well. So yeah, well, I'm working towards it, but I mean, he's, he's amazing. Do you have any idea at this point what your head-to-head record is against Paul? No, I really don't. He had me last year when we started playing. I think he won the first four or five, four of the last five matches. And after that, I think he has won, you know, a couple of matches and the majority of them, I was actually the lucky one but to win. But it's been really tight match. A lot of the matches have been tight. So it could have gone either way. But I lucked out there in the game to 15 quite a few times. So could have gone either way. Well, what do you think has changed in your singles game so that you have been able to win quite a few of your recent matches against Paul? Well, I mean, pickleball is experience where you learn every time you play. And coming from tennis, I'm pretty good with biomechanics, analyzing film, figuring out what I need to do in order to be better. But actually, the mental part is where I put the most focus on as far as mental exercises and and practice that because of physical limitations. So I think picture yourself winning and doing all the mental reps that you need to do is actually probably the one that has been separated me and Paul the last few matches, especially when it goes to the game of 15, I feel. Now, my background, I was trained during graduate school as a sports psychologist. So I'm. it sounds like in terms of your mental game, you really focus on visualization. What are? Can you give a couple examples of some of the things that you do visualize when you're not able to train physically as much as you'd like to? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of repeat my strokes. It's almost like you feel, smell and taste environment and you put yourself in that position. 
that you have experienced in real life and you just try to repeat those strokes, the good looking shots, the good feeling shots over and over again. And then I expand on that to to a critical point of matches 9-9. Do I have the courage to go on and, and playing the way you can do when the score is uh, 8-0 U or do you get tight in that situation? And I strongly feel that if you practice mentally uh, enough times it really doesn't matter what the score is it's you believe that you can do it you have already experienced it in your mind and you actually have the feeling of winning those points in your own little fantasy world but uh, obviously that can also be reality and doing in real life in a real situation too so that's definitely something that i'm focusing a lot on and uh, yeah i go through every guy and the potential in the draw as well and i see Masa go through point by point and me hitting winners or me passing them or whatever it might be and, and seeing myself winning those matches. And I really focus on their strengths and weaknesses and how I counteractive in my mind before I even play step on the court. I spend a lot of time doing that, actually. I'm thinking about maybe Paul as an example. What are some of those strategies that you visualize to win the points and, and the matches that you're able to do now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, it comes down to a few tactical things where, you know, I have that I know that I do, because if I don't do that, I'm going to lose no matter, you know, what my mind tells me. So as far as the strategy point goes, I'm not really going to sit here and tell exactly what that is, but it's kind of basic in one way. But it, obviously, each opponent have some different things that you need to figure out and playing against them enough to have a counter answer to their shots or shot selection what they are doing but other than that is just again it comes down to we have been so many close matches in 9-9 in the third game or have been 13 all in the game to 15 or whatever it is and, and that is again those situations where i've already gone through it in my mind how i will play it I'm starting with a serve, how I'm actually, how many times I'm bouncing the ball, how, how much I can lock in my eyesight. My, I try to get my eyes a little bit bigger to a little bit more focus on it. And, and, and then I go through those points, how I, where my serve will land, how his return most likely will come back and what I do with a third shot and then coming into the net and, and where his ball is coming next and so on, right? So Everything, it doesn't happen in reality exactly the same way, but it's a lot of time it's pretty close to, you know, what it is. But it's more of the focus level as well, what you actually can do by increasing your focus level a few percentage here and there when it really matters the most. In terms of your mental training compared to your physical training, how much is physical at this point and how much is mental just kind of rough percentages on how you actually spend your time? Yeah, the mental part is good, right? Because you can get so many reps in a few amount of times. I mean, I can hit 100 foreign mentally in probably a minute or two, or maybe three minutes, if you are really focused and don't get disturbed in your mind and be able to focus on what you're going to do it while it takes you 10 or 15 minutes maybe to do it in real life, right? So the more I focus on that, uh, so time-wise, uh, and, and plus you can do the mental reps I have a commute to work. I drive an hour, so that usually when I never have music on in my car, I usually work on my mental games during driving. So altogether, the closer I get to a tournament, the more mental um, thought process put into to my way to work and back from work. 
and then obviously try to practice probably two times singles a week and a couple of times doubles at the most. That's really what, what it is. And certain weeks is less than that. But obviously then I'm trying to get a little bit more mental reps in. So time-wise, I think time-wise you spend a lot more on the court than what you do working on the mental part, but you actually get more mental reps in than when you do physical reps in, if that makes any sense. I'm not sure. It's hard to describe. No, actually, that does make a lot of sense. And I think that's a, a great tip for people because you don't have to spend hours and hours doing the mental repetitions because you can do it much faster and then you can do it just about anywhere as long as you're in a fairly calm, quiet environment. So yeah, those are great tips for people. And you don't hear as much about the mental game clearly as you do the physical game. But on, on the physical side, I did want to ask you a little bit about injuries and you mentioned some physical limitations. How do you, because you're out there playing goodness knows how many different events in a tournament because you're not just a singles player, clearly. What is it that you do in terms of training properly on, on the physical side and really getting prepared for a tournament? Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to do more uh, than what I do as far as cardiovascular. That's that was one of my strings always to be in top physical shape and it takes with uh, a lot of running, a lot of cardio exercises. But I do have a, a knee issue that uh, requires surgery and it's just a matter of time uh, before it's not going to work at all, right? So uh, that's that becomes the big issue that, that you have when you get older. So you're trying to be smarter with it, but I cannot really do the strength and conditioning training any longer because of the knee. I cannot really do the running. So my part really will come on the court and, and really trying and not making a quantity, but quality when, you, when I do play uh, more. And again, I would love, it. I'm not saying they're going to work for everybody doing this, but for me, I have no other choice than really focus on court uh, stuff and doing it short and very careful and with a lot of focus when I do it and not drag it on and just spending hours and hours on the court for no reason. So Maybe not the answer where people want to hear there, but that's, that's the way I have to do it right now. And then in terms of your knee, you said you you need surgery. So do you have a, a brace or other things that you use to help your body when you're on the court from a physical perspective? Yeah, I have a lot of braces. And probably who has seen me play, they I'm probably more wrapped up than any other, any other players too. But, you know, the knee part of it, I, I do a tape job myself. And after that, I have two braces on it. And then I have those uh, ace bandages uh, on two of them on top. So I've basically five layers with some ointment underneath as well. And I need to do that in order to stabilize it enough so it doesn't completely go out. And it can go out at any time without that support. It could happen when I walk to the car, stepping out of uh, on an e uneven surface or whatever, and I will be done completely. And the surgery is a, it's a, no cartilage left, uh, which a lot of people have. And the people who have it knows it can be pretty darn painful to, to have. But the surgery is I'm looking for a cadaver knee, which is a lot of people have not heard about it. When you do get a cadaver knee, it's a long process to recover 12 to 14 months. And I don't have 12 to 14 months at this stage of my senior pro career, I feel. So I'm trying to avoid that part. But on the other hand, if I do go that route, I would not have no problems with uh, 
with those same kind of injuries afterwards. But again, timing of that versus a regular knee replacement, I probably can play in three months. But playing singles, they recommended me to not play singles. And singles is what I love and it's my passion. So I'm going a little bit on fumes and I'm hoping I will have a couple more years in this body. But who knows what happens. Does that weigh on you during a tournament, knowing that your knee is not in very good shape? Yes, it, it, it does and it doesn't. But as soon as your mind goes that way, sometimes before a match, I'm pretty high level pain. But you need to block that out because as soon as the mind will take over, it's, to me, it's mind over body. And you need to be able to block it out and be able to focus on the task on hand. If you cannot do that, if I couldn't do that, I would have lost a lot more than what I've lost so far. So it's very important. But yes, it, especially after the fact, you're so high on adrenaline when you're playing. And But you know when you come to the hotel room afterwards or after the tournament, when you're going to fly at home for the next you know, four or five days, I don't want to even touch a pickleball. I cannot physically go and play for probably four or five days afterwards as well. So it, it's uh, in one way, yes, it, it's, it takes a little bit on toll on your mind. But on the other hand, if you get focused enough and try to forget about the pain level, then you, you will survive and do okay. Mind is a pretty amazing thing. It really is. I'm curious as to, it sounds like you're very strapped up or have numerous braces or ace bandages all, all over your body when you play. Where else besides your knee? I'm just curious about that. Yeah, so I also have a hip brace on. I have two back braces on. I also have a fusion surgery many years ago, but I opted out not to. And that's the reason why I stopped playing in tennis in the first place. And uh, I made a comeback like after 13 years. And that's when, you know, my my journey in tennis started because I could do it again. And But, you know, back is, is never going to be perfectly good, right? So if you keep it in line, then I can do what I want to do. And then also a lot of times I actually wrap my my legs too. It's usually some kind of pull in one way or the other strain that you get somehow. So again, by wrapping it tight, I feel like I can go through the matches and without injuring it more and keep it at least the same and then trying to do the rehab in between matches and whatever. So it varies a little bit, but I'm usually pretty much, I have a lot of Wrap, wrapping a tape job on me that's for sure for I, uh, it takes me some time in the morning to get ready for for, for competition i bet it does but you know this is something i wanted to talk about because so many people who do play pickleball are older and i've got with uh, well, one knee without an acl so i've got the knee issues it, but you know the thing about pickleball is you can still get out there and and play i mean with all your injuries that you have and, you know, what you're describing with being so strapped up and taped on the, up on the court, could you imagine yourself playing tennis right now or kind of compare pickleball and, and tennis? Yeah, the, the, the amazing part there, because I, I'm very much in how many steps I take, how many miles I, I exercise each day and whatever. And during pickleball, day if you go all the way to the final and play a game to final especially if you go the long hard way and lose in the main bracket and go back in the back draw and end up playing all the matches there i can log 20 miles in one day playing pickleball singles but on the other hand i also do a lot of warm-up and at least one hour warm-up maybe one and a half sometimes so that obviously add a few more miles to from the be from the beginning there so 
in one way, yes, pickleball is, I could not play tennis with the injuries I have now. I'm pretty sure I couldn't. So I can play pickleball, but on the other hand, pickleball is still harder singles than what tennis would be singles because of uh, times between points is quicker. You cannot, less rest time when you sit down being change over and actually the amount of games per day compared to a tennis uh, tournament, it it's adds up. So in, in one way, yes, you can definitely um, play pickleball with a lot of injuries. On the other hand, it's actually harder than tennis. But in this case, yes, I would not be able to play tennis, but I can still play pickleball. All right. Well, it is um, great that you are able to still be on the court, and I hope you will be playing in tournaments for many years before getting that um, knee surgery that you need. It, one of the things I always do like to ask the senior pros is tell me about your paddle, which one you play with, and why do you like it? Yeah, I play with the uh, Engage Precision EX. And, you know, what I love about it, actually, when I changed to Engage, I had an MX first. And for my style, I don't need power in my game. I have enough power for this, but I would need control. And the MX paddle for me gave me too much power, so it was harder for me to control. So after a tournament or two, I definitely changed to the EX and you have that spin factor. You still have the power, but you also uh, have that control, what I, what, which I need for my game to be able to get that little bit loopy uh, dipping down on the other side and ball still be able to land a lot of spins. So that is a fantastic paddle. I love my paddle more than anything. And that's definitely part of having a, a little bit of success that I've had. It's definitely credited a lot to my paddle that I have. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where is the best place to contact you? It's probably uh, through my Instagram, where all this works. And that is matthias.johansson.pickleball. All right. And then I, I didn't touch on it earlier. I know you're the tennis coach at UC Riverside. Do you also teach pickleball? Yes, I do teach pickleball too. Not necessarily was a choice from the beginning, but it kind of uh, comes naturally. When you're around a lot of pickleball, you practice a lot. And coming from a coaching background in tennis, it's kind of easier to transform into pickleball too, especially after a while when I finally understood the, the game of pickleball, which I, I'm not sure I still understand completely, but I'm working on it. But, you know, the transition from tennis to pickleball, it's big in one way, but on the other hand, it's not really that big because biomechanics uh, analysis of strokes and what you need to do for the basics to be successful at it is pretty similar. So I do teach at Tustin Hills uh, Racket Club here in California, and uh, that's my home club. All right. Well, it was great to have you on the Pickleball Fire podcast today. Very interesting in terms of both your mental and your physical preparation. So I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 